Welcome to Artemisia, a Chicago podcast. I'm your host, Julie Proudfoot, for raw, unedited conversations about feminism. Help us make women heroes on stage and off by making a small donation today at artemisiatheater.org, where you can listen to our podcasts, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on social media. You'll get thanks on our website and a personal thank you email from me. Joining me now is Beth Wolf, theater director and founder and artistic director of Midsummer Flight. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. We're, we're just thrilled to have you with us. And I want to start off by asking you to give us some background on why you chose theater as a career and then how you got that career started. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'm one of those kids who started doing theater in elementary school. I did my first play when I was eight years old. Uh, it was called The Fabulous Fable Factory, and it was about Aesop's fables. Um, and it was ridiculous and silly, and it got me hooked on theater. And so I grew up doing children's theater and high school theater. And I, I did have a moment in high school that uh, I was in a play that uh, won a competition, and we got to take the play sort of on the road in Southern California, where I grew up, and perform it in front of a thousand other high school kids from across the state. And it was a really exciting moment to be amongst my peers and people who also made theater and who were appreciative of the work we were doing. And, and so that was a, a really exciting moment for me. And it happened to be in a Shakespeare play. And now all these years later, I run a Shakespeare theater company. Um, so it really started for me in high school. Up until that, that moment, that production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, I had thought that I would not pursue it as a career because it wasn't practical, right? Um, and I grew up in a family of very practical people. But, uh, but after that, I, I realized that it really was the thing I wanted to do the most. And so I went to college at Northwestern. I majored in theater. I did a lot more Shakespeare there as well as a lot of other acting. Uh, and at the time, I was still acting. And into my 20s, I stayed in Chicago after graduating and continued acting for a while until in my mid-20s, a light bulb went off that, that I was actually much better suited to directing. I like it better and I'm better at it. Um, and so uh, I made a shift away from acting. And the last time I acted was in 2009. So since then, I've, I've been directing exclusively. Uh, and I, in Chicago theater, I got my start as a young actor. And then uh, I co-founded Promethean Theater Ensemble with some other Northwestern kids when we were only a couple years out of school. Um, Promethean is still around. They're a fabulous company. And I was with them for a long time until uh, I started Midsummer Flight. I wanted to do more Shakespeare. And so I started a Shakespeare company. And so it all, everything has sort of built a little bit, uh, you know, from one thing to the next over the years. And what a wonderful uh, place that you've come with Midsummer Flight, given that, that you had that great aha moment with Shakespeare. When you decided, I, yeah, when you decided you just couldn't turn away from theater. That's it's really, true, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you work mainly, as you said, in Chicago right now. And one of the things I love about working in Chicago is the social justice focus, right? There's all these great theaters, mm -hmm. and so many of them have a focus on using theater to make the world better. Um, what, Beth, what 
does that mean to you, especially as a, as a theater director, because you work at a lot of companies now directing, how does social justice impact your work? Well, I think that particularly in Chicago, as a theater community, we in Chicago have been leaders in the nation, really, about pushing social justice issues in the theater forward. It certainly doesn't mean that we are perfect at it all the time. Um, but I think that Chicago has a consciousness about equality and uh, diversity and inclusion that uh, is lagging in other parts of the country and is catching up. But I really do feel like we are at the forefront. For me, um, so much of my work is uh, about at Midsummer Flight in particular is about going into Chicago communities and sharing stories and to go in there and share a story that only reflects one point of view doesn't actually fulfill our mission to connect in those communities. And so it has been sort of an organic process for me of, of saying, you know, if we're going into these Chicago communities, we need to reflect those communities back or else we're not doing our job. Um, so that's been one aspect of it for me is making sure that we are getting lots of points of view represented both on stage and off so that the stories that we tell are more authentic. Um, and then of course, you know, you with Artemisia, uh, with a focus on feminism, I have to talk about that too, um, <laughs> because it's so important. And in thank my you life. for that. <laughs> well, it's so important in my life. I said that I majored in theater at Northwestern, but the the reality of it is more complex, which is that I double majored in theater and gender studies. And I didn't go in with that intention. I just started taking some classes that were interesting to me as electives or that also fulfilled an English requirement or, or something else. Uh, but they were in the gender studies department and I realized how fascinated I was by that whole field of study. And I started taking more and more classes and realized, oh, I have enough of these classes that I can make a minor out of it, but I still want to take more classes. And I kept doing it. And my senior year, I sat down with an advisor and said, I think I'm really close to a major. What do I need to do to fill out the rest of it? And it was maybe two more classes. So I ended up with a, a double major in gender studies, not because I set out to do it, but because I found that I was really excited and passionate about it. And that's where my interest led me. Yeah. And so- and 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 just to just to jump in here real quick because you you're saying so many fascinating things i want to jump on something while it's an issue and that is you know being a feminist and believing in that equality of gender how does that impact you in the room with actors when you're directing does it have a direct impact on the way that you work oh boy that's a hard question specifically because i I don't think I'm walking around a rehearsal room thinking about it all the time, but I know that it colors all of the work that I do. I actually had a realization a couple of years ago that without making a, a conscious intention, I realized that all of the work I had been doing recently and since then too, uh, has been in one way or another feminist and, and they all fit that description in slightly different ways. I do a lot of Shakespeare, which is the quintessential, you know, old white dude writing theater. Um, and yet 
as a woman at the helm of those shows and in the casting that I do, for example, with The Tempest last summer, which you performed so beautifully in, Julie. Oh, uh, thank you. We, it, was, it was wonderful to do. It was just <laughs> for so many reasons that I won't go into, but I, it was such an honor. But oh. I'm so glad you're bringing this up about the um, women that you cast in traditionally male mm -hmm. roles. And if, if you tell us more about that, that'd be great. Yes. So in The Tempest last summer, uh, as you know, Julie, I cast a few roles that are traditionally played by men as women, specifically Prospero and Antonio or Antonia. Uh, and uh, uh, oh, no, I'm on the spot and I'm blanking on names. Lovely oh, Susan yeah. Fay. <laughs> Alonzo and, oh. um, and also Gonzalo. Alonzo and Gonzalo. Thank you. Um, of course. So... Uh, the the story really shifted in doing that and the story became about prospero and alonzo as these two women in power with usurping younger brothers uh, and that idea of women in power being perceived as threatening and and needing and for white men to feel like they need to take those women out um, is certainly a narrative that i think we we have seen play out in the world many, many times. And so it created a really different layer in the story without us needing to change the text, without us needing to wag our finger at the audience and tell them this is what it's about. Simply by putting female bodies in those roles, it made some of those issues come to light in new ways. Oh, absolutely. And I, I actually was honored to hear from both critics, um, you got wonderful reviews for your work in that, but also audience members who very naturally went with us and talked to me afterwards about how, much, how meaningful it was to watch women in those roles and struggle with those power shifts and uh, how it, it shed a whole new light on the Tempest for them, which I thought was really remarkable and terrific. Um, so Beth, just on the other side of the coin, um, what challenges, if any, do you find when you walk into a room as a theater director, as a person in leadership, and you are female identified? Do you ever run into obstacles as a woman in a powerful situation like that? It's interesting because I know many women who have that experience on a regular basis. And I think that, uh, largely thanks probably to my parents and my upbringing who brought up both my sister and me to feel like we could just be anything and do anything. Um, that I, I myself don't usually feel uh, like I am limited or challenged in the room because I am a woman, but I had a really interesting experience a couple of years ago. I was directing a play. I was directing two gentlemen of Verona and my assistant director, a lovely guy named Paul, who I just think the world of, um, he was sitting in with the rehearsal and afterwards I gave him a ride home and we were walking back to my car and he said, wow, you know, I, I was really impressed with how you handled the room tonight. And I sort of didn't know what he meant. And we talked about it more and he had observed that the scene we were working on that night was all men in the scene, or mostly men. And 
it, we were at that point in the process, that really exciting point in the process when everybody's off book, but we're not doing run-throughs quite yet, and we get to really dig in and get to the nitty-gritty of a scene and stop and start it and rework moments all the way through, you know, from, from the beginning of the scene to the end. Uh, and so, of course, that's, that's what I did. I was up on my feet. I was talking to each of the guys in the scene. We worked through it. We found really great moments. They had their own ideas that we worked in as well. It felt like a great rehearsal. But I didn't stop for a moment to think about the fact that I was talking to a group of men that, in fact, one of them is much older and, and, and has more life experience than I do. Um, I didn't really think about it until afterward when Paul said, you know, I, I've talked to other friends, other women directors who never quite feel comfortable in that situation because they, uh, you know, for any number of reasons. And I think I just walk in and I'm oblivious to it. And that works in my favor because I just sort of set it all aside and say, well, no, we're doing the work. And I don't stop to think about my gender stopping me from being the leader in the room, which I have to be. In of that course. Moment. And that's a great story. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, we at Artemisia have had the awesome pleasure of working with you twice as a director, and most recently on our production of the Suffrage Plays last fall. And what about working on those plays was unique for you? I know that every production is unique for me as a theater artist, but in particular, those plays were dealing with a very strong feminist voice around voting rights and bringing that to the fore at a very important time uh, in our country right now. So is there anything that happened in that rehearsal period or working on those plays that you could share with us that was unique for you? Yes, there. I could answer that in a few different ways. Uh, one of them was even leading up to the rehearsal process and doing the research for those, those plays that I consider myself a, a pretty well-educated person when it comes to gender studies, issues of, of equality and female empowerment through history because I majored in gender studies in college. Uh, and I, uh, I find those stories so interesting and fascinating. Um, but I realized, and I had this experience of talking to lots of other people involved in the show who had the same experience, that none of us really knew anything about the suffrage movement in the UK. We just never learned about it. We never learned about it in school. We never saw movies about it. We, you know, it just wasn't part of our actual knowledge. We all sort of nodded our head like we, oh yeah, we know about the UK suffrage movement. You know, women got the vote. But that was literally all we knew. And so when we started digging into the research for it, there was so much that I had not been aware of, of, of just how fraught that struggle was for the women who fought it. Um, and so that in and of itself was a unique experience of realizing, you know, for the you know millionth time in my life, how little I know about a particular subject. Um, but in this case, it was a subject I thought I should have already known about. So that was unique. Also, I think just coming into... Artemisia, whose mission is about feminist theater and creating space for women's voices to really be heard, and walking into a rehearsal room that was not all women, but was by far a majority women of women um, in the 
not just in the cast, but in the crew and staff, that was really a refreshing thing to walk into. The, you know, it's, it's a little hard to really quantify that feeling because it is, it's just a feeling, but the energy is different and the listening is different. I have found when you walk into a space that is more women than men. I recently had um, an experience like that as an actor on a, on a set and the leadership was all women or people of color. And not that I haven't had great experiences working with white men. I have, I've had wonderful experiences, but I think we're both talking about another energy that allows for a different kind of creative process maybe, or a different way of the team communicating. And I really enjoy that too. And I'm thrilled that you had that experience. And we had such a good time, didn't we, Beth, with these, with two of these plays that I don't think anyone has ever seen in Chicago and then pulling out press I cut- had, I had never heard of those plays until you sent them to me. So you're right. I don't think anybody had ever seen or heard of them. Yeah, there, and there was so much fun. And the audience related to the energy of, of those voting rights plays with such um, involvement. Uh, and they were still fun to do. There was a lot of humor. So it was a great night. For, it was a great run for us and a great night in the theater whenever I got to see that show. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about women, feminism and women as empowered. And I always... I always ruminate on this myself as the artistic director of Artemisia, but, and I think there's a lot of ways I answer it, but I'd love to hear you just wrestle with this question. And that is, what do you think happens or what do you hope happens when theaters like Midsummer did with the Tempest uh, modeling women as empowered on stage uh, where you gender you gender flipped casting and Mm -hmm. these three powerful characters are now cast as women and Artemisia where we're doing a lot of, of empowerment on stage with women in leading roles. What do you hope the impact of that will be? Well, I think, you know, it's all about representation. It's all about allowing everyone in the audience to see somebody up there who who looks like them who they can relate to and i i think a lot about an experience i had actually in a movie theater um because i and it's silly it's a superhero movie um when i saw wonder woman in the movie theater i knew i was expecting a fun night out at the movies, right? You know, and I was excited to see a, you know, a female superhero helming a a movie. Um, But I didn't expect to be so moved. There is a scene in that movie where Wonder Woman runs across a battlefield and all the men are telling her, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. She says, no, I have to go do it. And she goes, and then they all run after her. And it's this strong woman running across a battlefield and all of these men following her lead. And I was crying watching this movie and I did not expect that reaction. And I, afterward, I walked out of the movie theater and went, what was, like, why was I so overcome? And I realized it's because I had never seen it before. I had never seen a woman be the strong leader 
that all the men followed mm. in a film. And it hit me. And I mean, I'm, this was not that long ago, right? It was a few years ago. Um, so I hope that we can create that kind of experience for people in live theater as well. That, And not just for women, for people of color who don't see themselves represented, um, for people of different body types and abilities that, you know, there are so many different kinds of diversity that need to be represented on stage in order for anyone in the audience to be able to see themselves. I think when you can see yourself on stage, you can imagine being it, especially when you're talking about children, like Midsummer Flight performs out in public parks and we have these kids who are just playing in the park and see us performing. I want those kids to see the actors on stage and to see the stories on stage and think, oh, I could be that. I could do that. I could be a hero. I could be a, 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 in love or somebody could be in love with me or I could be an actor. Uh, you know, I think that ultimately it's all about trying to represent as much of humanity as possible so that people in the audience can see themselves in the stories. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome, Beth. And I love the Wonder Woman story. I think, <laughs> I, I think for, um, I just want to share this really quickly. And that is when we were rehearsing in the parks last summer with the Tempest, there were a lot of young children at the um, Chicago Women's Park and uh, Park and Gardens. And a group of young girls just started play sword fighting with each other. Uh, and it was so lovely because so often when we are raising children, we are so gender focused that girls do this and boys do that. And so it's fabulous to see women, young girls and boys at, cross against those conformist ideas so that ultimately they can imagine and experience themselves running across a battlefield being followed, you know, and having that kind of leadership and power. It's really great. Um, yes. We're talking about all these great possibilities. And I guess I just have one final burning question for you. And that is, what is the one thing that you don't think has happened for women in theater yet that you would love to see happen? Parody. Mm. It's parody. There, there aren't enough women in leadership roles. There aren't enough women directors. There aren't enough women directors getting recognized. Um, I, I, I hate to speak ill of a Chicago institution. You know, they draw so much wonderful attention to Chicago theater, but the Jeff Award nominations are out for this year for non-equity Jeffs. There are 10 directors nominated this year and eight of them are men. Um, and, that, and I was very disappointed to see that. So was I, so yeah. was I. And it, you know, and, and one of the women was a co-director and I'm sure she did wonderful work on her production. I don't know her personally, but, um, but, uh, but I know that there were other shows directed by women this year. There were quite a few. Um, and so I think that, that parody in 
uh, the literally the numbers of women who are doing this work and getting these jobs and then also getting recognition for them is lacking. And I would certainly expand that too. It's not just women, it's also people of color. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Beth, it has been so delightful chatting with you. Um, if folks want to learn more about you, where will they find you on the web? I have a website. It is wolfatthestagedoor.com. Folks can also look up Midsummer Flight, which is midsummerflight.com. Uh, and, you know, we're also, both the company and myself personally are on Instagram and, and Facebook and you can look us up there as well. Well, Beth, thank you so much for being with us. It's just a joy to chat with you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Julie. Thanks. To learn more about Beth Wolf, go to wolfatthestagedoor.com. And to learn more about Midsummer Flight, go to midsummerflight.com. Go to artemisiatheater.org to listen to our podcasts, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social media, and make a small donation. Your gift will help make women heroes, and you'll get thanks on our website and a personal thank you email from me. I'm your host, Julie Proudfoot. Thank you for listening. Join me next time. Let's keep the conversation going.